Attack of the Final Girls is a podcast about the horror genre, so listener discretion is advised. Please check the show notes for specific content warnings for this episode, and of course, beware of spoilers. Welcome everybody to episode 14 of Attack of the Final Girls. I'm Teresa. And I'm Juliet. And we have an awesome, super special episode for you today where we are going to talk about horror movies like normal, but we've got some special stuff for this episode specifically, and we're super excited about it. That's right. We've been teasing this for a little while. We have been wanting to have guests on. And actually, one of the first people when we started this podcast that we said, we must have this person on uh, like short list of guests is here with us today. Dara, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Oh, what an honor. (laughs) Yay, first guest. Our pleasure. Dara, for folks that may be unfamiliar with your podcast and what you're doing out there in the film and pop culture world, uh, give us just a little overview. Sure. I have a podcast called What Would Dara Watch? And it's on all things pop culture, film and television related. And I do a lot of talking about horror and genre films. And I uh, also uh, have a background in film and it's my passion. I love it. (laughs) I also am a counselor. So I like to use film as a way to kind of find people's humanity and bring people together through entertainment and the things that we love and find that common ground. And I'm so glad to be here. That's so cool. I'm always so interested to see how people, especially in the counseling profession, bring like humanity and bring interests or a common ground like that into like your personal interest in film and your background in film into the profession. So I'm sure that that's a way that you can extend an olive branch to so many people. That's my goal and hope. And especially with younger people, you know, um, I remember being a teenager and everything that I related to, if somebody could tap into that, like my love of film or music or what have you, um, and that you would relate to a certain character or a certain song. And, you know, and I think that still stands today with kids. So I, I like to find their interests and dive in that way. It's a good way to start those emotional conversations. Totally. <laughs> Today's movie, I think, is relatable uh there <laughs> it's funny because it's like a movie that is you know out there on the one hand but there are so many things in this movie that i think as as three of us were watching it we found many many touchstones and relatable points so uh i think we should dive into it we're talking about fresh dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's a Hulu film. I'm pretty sure it was released earlier this year, 2022, starring Sebastian Stan, who, if you don't know who Sebastian Stan is, then you've never seen a Marvel movie in your entire life. Um, (laughs) Who's uh, also the Mad Hatter in Once Upon a Time. That is right. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That took me back. Oh my gosh, I haven't seen that in so long. Sebastian Stan plays Steve. We've got Daisy Edgar Jones as Noah, Jojo T. Gibbs as Molly. That's kind of our main cast of characters is the three of them. So I'll just leave it there. Otherwise, I'm just going to go down the rabbit hole of like all (laughs) of the people in the movie. But yeah, super excited. This was, it's starting to get kind of one-sided here, Juliet. 
This is another first watch for Juliet. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gosh, was was Day of the Dead the only one that I had seen that you hadn't? Yep. yep. Okay, we got it. Fix I that know. imbalance there. <laughs> I know. We just need to like, you just need to stack the, <laughs> yeah. the the schedule with a bunch of stuff that I haven't seen. That way I'm the one, except for Red Queen Kill seven times. Nah, well, you hadn't seen that one yet. Either. I hadn't seen it either. There I'm is one check coming that out because of the pod. <laughs> that Yay. is on my list now. Yeah. So good. It was so good. Yeah. Yeah. There Jolla is one coming up in about a month, I think, that I've seen that you haven't. So we'll just tease that a little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like a, I like a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not like um, the ones in this movie, though. No. No, no. 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 Definitely not. No, definitely. No, no, no. Yeah. So thank you, Dara, for um, suggesting this one. I know it was between yeah. two, but I know that you've seen this one a couple of times for today. And then this was my second watch through Juliet was fresh eyes for this one. So, <laughs> but um, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That worked on so many levels. It did. It's it really so did. Much, so much more funny when you don't mean to do it because I definitely <laughs> yes. did not mean to do that at all. <laughs> But I'm so bad at jokes. Dara, do you want to just give us a quick summary of the movie or? Yeah, um, let's see. What's a good way, a non, well, I guess we're going to go into the film. So I guess it can be a bit spoilery, but just as an overview, we are introduced to Noah, who is a young woman in the dating sphere of today. And we kind of meet her. And as she's trying to navigate online dating and like dating apps and all of that. And she has a meet cute with a, a gentleman and they have a kind of an instant connection that feels very um, counterintuitive to what she's been used to, I guess, um, in this, in this dating era of, you know, swiping right and dick pics and all that fun stuff. So she, in letting her guard down, uh, ends up in a uh, highly precarious and dangerous situation and shenanigans and um, making one a vegetarian ensue. (laughs) (laughs) We like to say, and chaos ensues. Yes, indeed. Kind of, kind of chaos ensues, but yeah. Yeah. Um, very, this is a, a movie that is so, so relevant from the first few minutes of this film, just extremely relevant, relatable. If you have ever had to do online dating or opened yourself up to any sort of dating app, I feel like within the first five minutes of this movie, you can definitely, definitely relate to the struggles of being a woman or a, you know, femme presenting person on these apps, you've got, you know, unrequested dick pics. You've got dudes who are imprinting their weird Oedipal complexes on to you. Mm-hmm. Um, ick, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Just horrible first meetings and just awful impressions. And then just in the entitlement, like there's oh, so much boy. entitlement to person's bodies like Mm -hmm. throughout this whole film (laughs) yeah uh, yeah Yeah. not having the autonomy of your own personhood oh yeah it's the type of thing that I would be curious trying to think if I have I feel like maybe 
one of the men who's like shows we've been on recently, Teresa mentioned this film also, but I would be curious to watch this in a group of, of like, especially cis men Mm -hmm. to see what their reactions are, because I could almost see on, I could see some people saying that the beginning was a little too over the top, like, Oh, that never happens. Whereas like I'm watching it and I'm like, all of that happens literally all the time. Like there is somebody as we three are sitting here (laughs) watching this movie, there is somebody, Mm -hmm. multiple somebody's dealing with this exact thing. Like, you know, a couple miles from where we are at one of the bars, you know, it's like scarf, place it on placeholder guy, number two over here. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've, I've only watched this film with women so far, but I have watched reactions online from <laughs> other, you know, people and men. And even like there was someone who is gay and is out and has a reaction channel. And he was still like, he didn't see how bad the date was. Oh, it wow. took him a minute to go. Oh, no. Like, so yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's not just, you know, <laughs> the gender as a whole just maybe wouldn't pick up on those, those like cues and red flags and, you know, yeah trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I did watch it with my partner who's a cis man and he, um, he had some opinions uh, about the movie, so I, I won't uh, I won't go into them too much. Um, don't want to speak on his behalf necessarily, but um, yeah, at least for the date part, it did seem kind of like like he didn't really get that. That is sort of like the microaggression that happens to a woman who's dating or a woman who is seeing people casually. Oh, yeah. Because number one, he also has not really been a part of the like big dating pool in general, Mm -hmm. never done online dating, never, you know, done any of the apps or anything like that. But also walking around in the shoes of a cis man, you don't get the microaggressions that you do as a femme presenting person. So yeah, it does seem like cis dudes probably would have a harder time. Like, oh, that seems kind of over the top. Like, it's not though and really like the terrible part is as for as over the top as people could perceive that scene to be which we're just even scratching the surface of this movie we're not even talking about like (laughs) the true you know the true terror of this movie which of course we'll get to we're just scratching the surface of this and that wasn't even like we can look at it objectively and say that oh yeah that's pretty bad in terms of first dates i've heard of Oh yeah, that was like. Oh, that would have been just. Oh, it wasn't too bad. Like you, you'd go and just be like, okay, it was another night out. You know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's like a thing that you laugh with your girlfriends about, but then you don't have to go to therapy about it. You know, it's just like, wow, that guy was a jerk. I, how somehow I'm not surprised, and then you move on. You know. Right. And like some of the other things that happen later on in the movie, those are certainly therapy worthy, I would say. Well, and I thought it was interesting too, even as, you know, a female having to gently let someone down. Oh my gosh. And just even having to navigate the, I'm saying no here. <laughs> right. scary. Like just that, because you don't know how that other person is going to react to that. And the fact that, the reaction was what it was and it seems a bit over the top and kind of, but no, it's like, 
oh, that could have been worse. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. That could have been so much worse. Maybe less words and more actions. So, I mean, she was worried when she was going, um, Noah was worried as she was going back to her car. Yeah. I mean, she had her keys in her hand and maybe she didn't necessarily think that it was Chad, Chad, but, yeah. but she thought it was somebody uh, like yeah. a man who was following her and it ended up being a man with a baby, which I would say man with a baby is probably pretty low threat. I mean, not no threat because everybody's right. Threat, right. But like you but. have a baby strapped to your person might not be the best time to attack. Yeah. Girl. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it's a real baby. Right. Oh. 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 We've seen oh, those. Oh man. Oh, Silence <laughs> of the Lambs moments. Like there's all yeah. these Oh, person's arm wasn't broken. And oh, this, you know. Yeah. yeah exactly. Could have been a doll baby. You're exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Signs you watch too much horror. <laughs> yeah, or we're like, oh yeah, you're gonna take babies. <laughs> like immediate worst case scenario. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. yes. Okay, that, that well, at least there's that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but yeah, so we're kind of dealing with this situation where Noah has been so jaded by this terrible, awful dating experiences in the world where you have a dude like Chad, who's like, I wish you just dress more like my mom. They really, you know, moms just really care about the way they look. And then as they're leaving, Noah's like, yeah, I don't think we're going to do this again. And Chad's like, well, I was just trying to be nice. Uh, you can go, you know, F yourself. And then she meets Steve, who's Sebastian Stan. And she is refreshed. First of all, the one of the um, green flags, if you will, is he's a doctor. So yeah. Theoretically, he's got some cash, which I mean, that might be shallow, but it's it, something to think about. Yeah, know? it's like, a factor. Yeah, like, oh, I'm not a perpetual student. Oh, I have a job. I have some sort of stable income right. happening. He's a surgeon. They have great repartee. Mm. You know, they're having good conversation. They're drinking. They're having a good time. They seem to be enjoying each other's and company. And when they met, she was in sweats in like her laundry day outfit. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, so at the grocery. He didn't seem as shallow as said, Ch- you know, as yeah. Chad did, you know? Exactly. And she doesn't know that he's a doctor until they actually go out for a date. Yeah. So they just kind of have like a funny, the semi-awkward getting to know you conversation at the store. And then, you know, things progress and it's so good and so much different and better than what she's used to that on the third date, she decides to go on a surprise trip with this guy. Yikes, stripes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Red flags, red flags. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And when you're watching this movie the first time, you might not really key on to some of these things, but there are several times where, you know, when you're rewatching it, you're like, why is he asking all of this really weird questions? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, why is he asking how much you've told to your friends about him? This is the second date. What are we doing here? Right. It's like, do you know his last name, his middle name? Do you like his birth date? Have you seen his driver's license? That would have been a good litmus test. It's like, let me see your driver's license. Because I don't think his real name is, is his real name Steve? Or was it Brendan? That's his middle, his name is Steve, but his middle name is Brennan. Or like Brendan. And he goes by both. Like, so yeah, there's, there's a thing there. And he says he was a twin. A friend of mine right. and I had an idea, and I didn't get a chance to tell you guys this previously, was that that maybe he really was a twin. And like maybe the twin is now 
like raising those boys. Oh, weird. Yeah. And so how, you know, I mean, the story could continue. Weird. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's interesting. That's an interesting thought. The first time I watched it, I did think he was a twin. I, because like he acts so well in the scene where uh, Molly goes to his house yeah. I thought he was a twin. I thought that that was like legitimately somebody else. Right. With the wife, with the blonde lady. I forget her name. Anne. Um, is it Anne? Anne. Yeah. yeah. Anne. Yes. I thought that that was really another person. Obviously it's not. And Anne was in on the action slash depravity, but it's just like he, her bar is set so low that when this guy comes and like, not even like sweeps her off her feet. I'm not <laughs> right. even going to say that. We're not right. talking an officer in a gentleman situation here. <laughs> this is no Richard Gear. Good pull. Yes. This is like just kind of like regular middle ground. Like, yeah. like slightly above drinks. the bare minimum. Yeah. You had a little uh, awkward dance montage. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was weird. I am sorry, but the actress who plays Noah, not my favorite dancer <laughs> no rhythm is not on her short list of things that she can do on her actors uh no you know cv so yeah <laughs> and, unless it's awkward dancing she could put that yeah on she's got that down mm-hmm. for yeah. sure yeah <laughs> she's just having such a normal like really low threat you know time with this guy they do sleep together though the, the on their first date and he does like give her oral sex which once again, low bar to reach for here, but but it was that, like, yay! Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> You're not like, scared of down there. <laughs> he he went for it. He didn't ask for reciprocation. At exactly. least not that we saw yeah. on you know he wasn't like oh me first. He can't. He like he went for it, and then he spent the night. Yeah, which I thought was like another you know kind of big step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at least for a first date. I mean. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know these things. I don't know. <laughs> but let's talk about the huge red flag here that we were talking about as we watched the movie. Dude has no social media. Right. Ding, like, ding, ding. Yeah. Sorry, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so we were, we were, yeah, we were talking about this while we were watching the movie, but um, let's rehash a little bit of that. Like, okay. On the one hand, like we're living in 2022, like, everybody's dabbled in, you know, a Facebook or has an errant Tumblr floating around <laughs> out there someplace, you know, an um, <laughs> a neglected Twitter account, whatever. Zanga, um, live Zanga. Journal. Yeah. Certainly there are also <laughs> yep. people who have made the conscious choice to step away from social media. We're seeing that more and more with, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's shenanigans, oh. Elon Musk's shenanigans, etc. But like for real, for both of you, is that a red flag or not to have, you know, have somebody who has zero, like zero, zero social media? I need to be able to Google something like, yeah, yeah. yeah I need to be able to, oh, you know, your picture will come up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. LinkedIn even, you know, even if it's just professional based social media, there has to be something. Yeah. 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 This day and age. 
Totally. The, the only way that I would say that that's not a red flag would be if this is somebody who's been in my periphery for a long time. Right. People or know the person. Exactly. Yeah. That and would be the only way. Them. Yeah. Or like, oh, this guy like lives six months in Alaska because he's a salmon fisherman. I don't know where that came <laughs> right. from. But, you know, like, okay, that would make sense because six months out of the year, he doesn't have internet yeah. access. That's so kind of the dream, though, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, you just go for six months with the salmon. I'll miss you. It'll be wonderful. You'll It'll be fine. Back. It's like Christmas every day. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> then you got six months to yourself. It's quiet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you want. Nobody's going to ask you what's for dinner. Take care of yourself. And then for six months, you're like, okay, now I'm going to play a relationship. And then, you know. <laughs> In six months, it's over. I didn't with. know that was a dream I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> but they probably also smell when they get home. Oh, that's, that's true. true. No one wants to hang out with somebody who smells like sturgeon all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like fish guts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, it would still be better than what I guess what we learn later smells like. So this is so true. Balance. Yes. <laughs> Very true. Very true. So one of the things, like, I was so fascinated by uh, Noah's reaction to this. What do you think about the way that she gives Steve all of this leeway based solely on her first impression? That she ignores all of these red flags based solely off of the first impression, the connection that they get. What did you, what did you guys think about that? Personally, I think that rang true because I just know how I was socialized as a young woman, you trust first until proven otherwise. So like, why wouldn't I think that someone being kind is genuine? And especially I think as, as females were kind of socialized to do that, you know, like even in this day and age, you know, there's, there's the, um, the politics of entertaining and like being nice and like, you know, um, good first impressions. So why wouldn't you trust someone else's good first impression? Cause you know, and what do they say? Like there's some statistic out there and it might be different now, but it takes like three years for someone in a relationship to really fully show themselves in their full, you know, capacity and all of the lumps and bumps for me that, that, you know, I would, I could find myself being swept up in the excitement of the new and the the kindness and the lack of chad like behavior <laughs> so <laughs> yeah that ring that rang true to me i mean it was a little fast but i you know i don't know if i would have gone as far as she did in terms of like leaving with him but oh yeah who, who, who knows mm-hmm. like if somebody was being that kind of you know attentive and you know especially these days where you can be enmeshed with someone really quickly, like through Mm -hmm. phones and, and just, you can for better or worse, not be away from someone. Mm -hmm. And if they're love bombing you all day, every day for like a week or two, and then they go, Hey, let's go somewhere. You're like, yeah, you know, like that could be really exciting and something. I could see myself saying yes to. And you just like, we would just have to hope like, okay, yes, I am going to put myself out on a limb here and, you know, just hope that things go well. And that the person like 
this is obviously worst case scenario, a person being a, you know, a cannibal and chaining you up and harvesting your meat over time and keeping you alive as long as possible. That's like worst case scenario, but it could be like, you get there and he clips his toenails at the kitchen table and you're like, oh, right. Hell or no. he's rude to the wait staff and like, doesn't tell oh my God. Like, yeah. You know, like, oh, that guy. You yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What about yeah. you, Juliet? Would you let somebody wine and dine you? Yeah, probably. (laughs) If I mean, if I'm being really honest with myself, yeah. I mean, I agree with Dara. It's really easy to get swept up like that. And there's this kind of really interesting push and pull that happens, which as women, as, you know, femme presenting people, we're socialized to both be very, very accommodating, but also take full responsibility for our own safety, no matter what, all of our actions, all of our actions. And that creates this kind of internal, internal mess. If I'm being quite honest of like, how much do I trust? You know, if I'm thinking about my safety, am I being responsible or am I being frigid? Am I being a bitch? You am know, I being guarded. Yes. Am I not letting people in? Exactly. And, exactly. Know, I'm, I'm holding back too much and no wonder no one wants to yeah. hang out with me, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think it's really easy to overcorrect in either direction. And I think we often, like I often overcorrect in the more accommodating yes. sense, uh, again, because like, you know, being socialized as a woman, that's what I'm told I'm supposed to do. You know, I'm supposed to be pleasant. I'm supposed to, you know, to smile, to acquiesce, to make things easier for the people around me. So I think as much as like the logical side of my brain that was like watching this, like red flag, red flag, red flag, why is she doing that? Um, I can't with a lot of confidence say that I wouldn't fall for the same red flags, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like we were discussing this as we were watching the movie, what a, you know, a razor's edge to have to walk is being too closed off and too cautious and people call you frigid and that you're, you know, you're not opening yourself up to new experiences or you're not being polite enough or like, oh, those things aren't enough of a red flag or those are, you know, silly things that you're being, you know, stressed out about. But then if you're too open and you kind of like fly by the seat of your pants or or not even that serious, but like you take things as they come. And like what uh, Noah said in this movie, she said, you know, fuck it. Like, let's, let's do it. I took your advice. I said, you know, And then she gets her, like, I'm just about, I was just about to say she gets herself in this situation. Incorrect. No, she is in this situation. situation. Yeah. 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 We do have to change our language and it's hard to do, Mm -hmm. you know, it's so hard to do. Cause even when you think about the other women involved, she was the only one at that time that was being wined and dined from what it sounded like. Yeah, it sounds like right. he met the other women one time, you know, took them to a second location, and that was that, yep. you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, even his actions, he was grooming himself in a way to make himself be the best version to present himself to other people. You know, it was all manicured, it was all thought out, down to like his hair, his, you know, everything. You know, the stories he told, like his first story he told when he met her was about his sister in like his niece or nephew or something. Niece. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't, never mentioned a wife, never mentioned, you know, none of yeah, these no. things. He was making decisions from the very beginning. So 
Yeah. And all that like self-deprecating stuff about his profession where, you know, you could see him playing the game of like, oh, I'm a reconstructive surgeon. And yeah, that's plastic surgeon. And that's kind of shallow. Like, yeah, I do boob jobs and face jobs. Oh, but I also, let me pull on your heartstrings. I also from time to time really help people like that again, like you would feel like such a jerk being like, oh, that's like such a manufactured way to talk about your profession. And it totally was, you know, he was hitting all the right notes. Oh, I'm going to be self-deprecating about the parts that, you know, I should be a little more bashful about. Oh, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to talk about the noble aspects of my profession. Like he was playing, but again, like he's a good manipulator. Yeah. Yeah. And there's always a grain of truth in the best lie. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, you know, so he was very smart with that, you know, like just enough, you know, he probably, probably 85% of that was true. Yeah. 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 So it's very interesting. Um, And so then it makes it hard to like, how cynical do you become, you know, like how, you know, hardened do you become to the world? You know, and it's sad that, yeah, yeah, there's no hard and fast rule. And this is a perfect example of that. You be too cynical and miss out on opportunities, Mm -hmm. be not cynical enough and end up getting yourself or people that you love hurt, um, not end up getting, but you know, people get hurt doing those things. So yes, I did want to say though, if you guys want to enter into a pact where we drop a pin, if we're ever going somewhere, yeah, a strange man, (laughs) uh, a strange person, I am here. I will absolutely accept these pins. I will (laughs) be the Molly figure in this situation. I will absolutely come to your rescue, except I probably won't go into a strange white woman's house yeah. um, with no backup, <laughs> wearing a coat that looks like a deer wrapped in a bow. Yeah. I will get you said coat and remind you not to wear it in a strange white woman's house. <laughs> like Thank wear you. this everywhere but. Right? Yeah. yeah, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, it's just another example of an unfortunate thing. And Noah ends up doing these things kind of, um, accidentally, like Mm -hmm. not, she, she doesn't do these things on purpose. She doesn't send Molly a photo of Steve on purpose. Like if I go missing for this man, she's like, Oh, this is the cute guy I met. Here's a picture. Right. And thank goodness she took that picture. Yes. (laughs) In the moment, was it a little creepy? Yeah. But like, it was also (laughs) ended up being incredibly smart. Like, yeah, totally. I mean, the crux of the movie is what Steve ends up being a butcher of like a huge part of this big network of people who rich people, the 1% of the 1%, as he says, he carves up women and sends their meat to rich men for lots and lots of money. And he does mention in the course of the movie that the meat is far more expensive if the female is still alive when Mm -hmm. he takes the meat so he tries to keep them alive as long as possible and these are all kind of romantic conquests but um noah is the exception to this rule because he's slept with her right and throughout the course of the movie we find that he does not actually do that he doesn't sleep with them i mean i guess ostensibly to not uh form that sort of connection with them Mm -hmm. because he'll catch feelings for them and that ends up being his undoing 
Yeah. He catches feelings for Noah and um, that's his downfall, but we have a little bit more to go to get to this downfall situation. So one of the things when Noah gets kind of trapped in these uh, trapped in Steve's second house, I guess this is like totally separate house. There is a person in the cell next to her or who she thinks is a person in the cell next to her named Penny. Also a woman who is in the same situation, except she's been there longer than Noah has. She kind of like breaks down the situation. The first time I watched this movie, I didn't think Penny was real. What did you guys think about uh, Penny? Did you think that she was real? Did you think she's a figment of Noah's imagination? What did you think? I at first thought, well, it makes sense if she was real, if this is something it would make sense. The place was big enough that it would make sense that there would be more than one person there. I wouldn't have been shocked though, had it been a um, defense mechanism, a safety thing for Noah to have, you know, kind of dissociated and had voices, you know, to help her out, Mm -hmm. you know? So I went very sinister, which I feel like is like my thing. I went (laughs) down like a kind of creepy rabbit hole where for about half the movie, I wondered if Penny was real, but if Penny was in on it, ah, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Penny Keeping was her yes. placated and yes. Yeah. Penny was perhaps an assistant or maybe mm-hmm. Penny was, as we learned, started to learn that, oh, he's got a wife. And, and you're kind of like, is the wife in on it? Is she not in on it? Uh, you know, when I was like, oh, is she in on it? that maybe Penny is actually the wife and she just comes and hangs out and sort of talks to these women and and Mm -hmm. feeds them information to keep them alive and viable to sort of imbue Mm -hmm. them with false hope because, you know, he want the whole point is to keep them alive so he can harvest as much meat from them as possible. So that was the dark and sinister corner that I went down with this one. I was thinking about it too. If I was in that situation, would I have tried to end myself Mm -hmm. you know so if there was someone there to kind of talk to me and keep me grounded and alive yeah you know even emotionally for a while yeah because I I did find myself in a very dark place going well could she have taken the mirror and you know like right he's like I don't want to be meat for somebody else so right. i'm gonna not be fresh and like take myself out of this equation you know so damn yeah that's dark y'all <laughs> i just thought yeah, that penny but... was like her like internal coping mechanism but i mean i could see how you would think that like thinking the worst about that situation but it kind of rolls into another thing i was thinking about as time goes on these women are obviously isolated there's no tv There's just like magazines that get passed back and forth with like nice messages, like messages to kind of keep yourself going. But I wanted to see what you thought about the sense of identity that you attach to how others perceive you. There's a really kind of moving scene where Penny kind of explains to Noah, I didn't know if you were real. I wasn't sure who I I don't feel like I exist anymore. I don't Mm -hmm. know who I am. So both the idea that our identities are formed around what other people think of us and also our own autonomy over our bodies, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and right now they don't have that autonomy over their bodies or they have a very small amount, just as much as what they can, you know, maintain within these rooms. But 
what did you think about this whole like idea of perception built around what other people think of you and your own bodily autonomy? I thought it was really great. I personally, because of my disability, I oftentimes don't feel very connected to my own body. So I almost feel like maybe that would be a, a help in a situation like this, because it's like, not that I want anyone to take my leg, but it's like, right. it wasn't working that great for me to begin with. <laughs> I can adapt and, you know, go from here. It's like, if I have my mind, if I have that going for me, those faculties, I would hope that I could hang a bit longer, you know? But yeah, if you, even though you don't want to be seen as like, who's only seen for their body. And obviously there were certain types of women that were chosen for this uh, scenario Mm -hmm. um, that I would find that to be very difficult. Yeah. Like to lose a limb and to like, even if you survived that, I could see people not feeling like, well, I don't, I don't know who I am. And I think that even the idea that they brought that up, like I'm wasting away literally and figuratively, you know, I think that was handled just well enough. I mean, this movie could be four hours long if you wanted it to be. There's totally. so many things that could be, you know, peeled away, so to speak. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I uh, yeah, I do have a disconnect between my personhood and my actual physical body for better or worse. It's something I probably need to go talk to somebody about, <laughs> you know, I think the idea of sort of identity as it relates to other people is really interesting when you're separated from society. Mm-hmm. So like so much of my identity is wrapped up in my work and, mm-hmm. you know, sort of who I am to my community, you know, whatever, whatever community I'm choosing on a given day, like, who I am in relationship to a community. So if I am removed from community for an extended period of time, especially in a situation where I'm not able to relate to other people, save Mm -hmm. for a disembodied voice on the other side of a wall, which I don't know, I I work in audio. So maybe (laughs) disembodied voices are like, okay, by me. Um, but 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 if I didn't hear your voice for an extended period of time and I listened to you, And I do. And if I didn't hear from you, oh, I'm on vacation from X date to this date, I would have to go, has anybody heard from Julie? Like, oh, thank you. (laughs) Somebody's got to check on on our gal here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's tricky, though, because I I think about that. Like, you know, anytime I am like, I mean, that was the pandemic for me. You know, like I still had that that connection through the digital space, through broadcast, all of that. But being in a position where I was not able to be like physically in community with people. And it's difficult to explain to some people because they're like, oh, you're an extrovert. And I'm like, well, I'm more of an extroverted introvert. You know, I say that all the time. That's different. Situationally extroverted. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But when you find yourself sort of removed from a community or, you know, a physical space or group that gives you so much of your identity. I can see how it does make you start to think like, well, who, like, who the hell even am I, you know, like who truly, you know, without all of these things, like who am I? And, and (laughs) And just the idea too, like he chose people 
that didn't have a yeah. large extended yep. community. Mm-hmm. And that was part of the draw. Like, so even just that, I think he discounted Molly and yeah. how powerful Absolutely. that relationship was and what that friendship was. And I think that was part of his undoing as well, you know, because he didn't put as much stock in that as maybe he should have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If we're talking for nefarious terms and stuff like that, you know? Um, But yeah, I do think that that is, that is a scary thought. The idea that, you know, out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. And kind of how long does it take for people to kind of start to forget you and you then forget you and, you know, I mean, you had mentioned the Poughkeepsie tapes and just the idea like that survivor survivor. You can't even say that as a, a label for that mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. by the end of that. Oh. And it's not even that good of a movie, honestly, but yeah. that like that piece of it haunts me. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just haunts me. Yeah. Um, and just the idea that you can, as much as I love people, just the idea that people can psychologically break and remake you is totally disturbing too. Yeah. You know, as much as I don't like his wife, you know, it's like that took time and energy and work, you know, now was she susceptible to all of these things? And then she uses her power that she has in the situation to her advantage, but yeah. Um, victim too, you know? So yeah, it's heavy stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's horrific stuff. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Jeez, man. IMDb has this as categorized as a uh, horror comedy. Um, and yeah, yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> it's like I giggled out of uncomfortable a few times. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Or like, oh, been there. Oh, girl. Oh, yeah. Girl. Like, yeah. like oh. lynching at uncomfortable parts and laughing because you're like, oh, yeah, that's relatable. Um, does not a horror comedy make? No, I don't no. think. <laughs> it is not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, question for each of you. If you were offered human meat, if you were offered a $30,000 meatball, or it could be anything, whatever your favorite meat related dishes. Dara, mm-hmm. you're, are you a vegetarian? No. Okay. Whatever your favorite meat related dishes, if it were offered to you for free, Mm-hmm. And it was made with human meat. Would you eat it, Juliet? Would you eat it first? Ooh, um, no. Okay, no, I don't think I would. Um, I, I, you know, as as delicious as that weird prosciutto looked, <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do it love really a good. Did look good. <laughs> it looks so <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't think so. And I'm a pretty adventurous eater, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I, I think because I, I think my problem with it is like, I would be so weirded out by the idea of it. It wouldn't mm-hmm. matter how good it tasted. I would get so caught up with it that I know I wouldn't enjoy it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so why would I put myself through the sort of moral quandary of it all? Like mm-hmm. I would just like skip out of that entire experience, I think. Okay. Her, I don't think I could do it either because I would think, oh gosh, is this person alive? Like mm-hmm. yeah, the ethics of for it. For some reason I would think like that would matter to me. Like 
if the person is a willing participant in giving me said meat, maybe that's a different discussion. But it's like, is it a situation like this? No, no, yeah. And then I'm like, well, what happened? To I would want too much backstory. I would, you know, yeah. like I couldn't separate the person from the the meat. I guess, yeah. yeah, sure. It's like I, you know, I don't know if I would be a meat eater if I worked on a farm, and like mm-hmm. I named fair. calves and things like that. <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe I could separate it, but I, I probably couldn't. You know, if yeah. I named all my chicks and all that stuff and <laughs> you know did all of that you know what about you so i i've had some because i was gonna i knew i was gonna ask you guys this so i've had time to like kind of think about this ahead of time so a couple of caveats i have a philosophy in terms of food that i will try anything once oh, and i've never had respect. any sort of yeah I've, I've always said that that included human However, I could not do it to an unwilling participant. Like I couldn't do like a headhunter situation. I am interested in the idea of like artificially printed flesh. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I could probably do that more easily. But what I'm getting at is the idea of, and this is something that we talked about, Juliet and I had a panel that we were on about cannibalism and tainted love and coming of age. Oh, sure. Um, but one oh, of the ideas, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was, it was awesome, <laughs> which that'll be coming out on the Slayway podcast at some point. Awesome. Um, but there was a very, an idea that at like, at the time I just kind of was like, oh yeah, that's a very high level idea that I cannot even fathom right now. But the idea is that there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. Mm-hmm. And so I like that rings a bell in my head. Every time I think about the idea of like eating human meat is like, right. we think, oh, well, human meat is off limits, but we can eat cattle or we can eat farm right. pit, you know, farmed pork and things sure. like that. It's like, is it any more ethical to eat a farmed animal than it is to eat a willing human participant? So I had the chance. Would I ever pay $30,000 for a meatball? No, that's going to be a big no for me. Um, I have a hard time at spaghetti warehouse ordering, you know, spaghetti and meatballs. I'm like, what is the cheapest? I will eat that. Um, but Chef Boyardee. yeah, yeah, exactly. As a matter of principle though, I do also try to be an adventurous eater. And if I was offered, if I was in a situation where I was offered human meat, I think I could take myself out of the equation enough to be like, what does this actually taste like? Eddie Izzard says in her special dress to I kill, love Eddie Izzard. <laughs> right? I just watched Eddie Izzard last, but I just watched dress to kill, dress to kill uh, oh, last favorite. night. Favorite. It's amazing. But she says humans taste like chicken. Babies taste like chicken. So if humans tasted like chicken, I would be supremely disappointed. Yeah, really. <laughs> Having said all that, I would never seek out human. Right. Well, it's like, I am curious, like they could do a prequel to this young 19 year old Steve mm-hmm. and his mm-hmm. first foray into human consumption. I like, what, how, how, like that is a story that I intrigues me. Like, yeah. and then he felt whole after that. Like, Ooh, there's, there's, there's some stuff there, you know, to mine. Makes For me want to sure. rewatch I, Hannibal. I think, like in an alive <laughs> situation, like, you know, to live. Yeah. Yeah. If I was like trying to survive, 
sometimes you got to do what you got to do. I feel like exactly. I, mm-hmm. I understand those situations, you know, things yeah. like that, you know. I would love to see a poll of femme presenting and cis women. If you asked cis women and cis men, mm-hmm. if you asked cis women, would you eat human flesh in order for a chance to survive? versus asking men the same question, how many more women would say, absolutely, I would eat human flesh in order to stay alive versus men who would say no. And that's just me. Maybe I'm totally wrong. I'm completely off base. Do you think that most women would be willing to put themselves up for others to survive? Yes, I think how we're socialized. Yes, I think both. I think that both more women would sacrifice their own flesh for others to have a chance to live. And I also think that they have a, I don't want to say a stronger will to survive because that's not necessarily the case, but I think that more women have had to think through to the worst case scenario or like what am I willing to do in order to get myself out of this situation right. that their thresholds are just way yeah. higher? Well, and just the, the mortality of it all, I think mm-hmm. can be different too. I mean, you know, being birthed, birthing other, you know, yeah. mortality yeah. rates, all of that, like, yeah, you know, being able to give life can also equal death in mm-hmm. many cases. So right. that is something one has to think about, you know, and, uh, I think maybe more so than society likes to recognize, you know? Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. So you're having to reckon with your own mortality on a more regular basis and having to weigh these risks more often. I absolutely, I think that women probably in larger percentage would be more willing to do that. And I say that knowing that like hunting is more of a sport that's geared towards men, more men participate in it. But I still think that when it came down to it, I feel like women, more women would, uh, would do the thing just like Noah did in this movie where she ate the hope meatball. Yeah. And then have to play the part to also be like, Oh, I also have to be engaging and make fun right. and like still find have this guy find me appealing, like even beyond yeah. the fact that I did this, even though we see her wretch and throw up, like there's a level of performative, like performative actions that, definitely that women have to be prepared to to do, you know, to to survive a lot of times. So it's hella dark. This yeah. this yeah, movie is really is. dark. It really is. And it's it's shot so beautifully for as dark as it is. Mm-hmm. It is one of the most gorgeous films I've seen in a long time. Like, yeah. And I think that was so smart. You know, um, it could have been all in shadows and we barely see anything. And but no, they went the other way. It's like we have bright colors and like there's vibrancy there and like warmth. There's lots of warmth to this film, you know. Yeah. And uh passion there in a weird way like Mm -hmm. yeah even when the romantic passions turn into just straight anger and like violence when Mm -hmm. the women choose violence and they're like they're as passionate about i just want him to hurt Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah feel that like yes yes penny i want you to hurt him like i hope you get that chance you know and like that switch is really interesting too 
it's nice that a movie like this can be shot so beautifully in this day and age because you could take this story and plunk it into the grindhouse yes. and have it be gritty and not shot super well and really mm -hmm. raw and really visceral. And I mean, and that's a great film too, you yeah. know, um, but to be able to really showcase the sort of multifaceted nature of the survival of these women and to do it beautifully, you know, with and sunlight to it, like, yeah. like Steve, there's a artifice to yeah. the, to it too. It, it does make you feel uncomfortable as pretty as it is. I wouldn't want to sit in that living room. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Like there's yeah. not a no. place there that I'm like, oh, I feel comfortable here. <laughs> not one iota. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not made it's not made for comfort or lounging or like watching a football game. It's exactly. made for or you have uh, a good charcuterie board. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the wife, Anne, Steve's oh. wife. Anne. So we see Anne assist Steve with Molly. Molly, you know, looking for her friend, comes to their house, and Steve kind of blocks her in, and uh, Anne knocks her out and helps, you know, Steve with getting Molly downstairs for and prepped for surgery. And there is a part where Anne is like, okay, I'm going to get in the shower. And it looks like they have kids. You never see kids on screen, but there's toys everywhere. So they right. probably yeah. have and we at saw least the eight pictures. Kids. Right, right. With children. Yeah. And they were afraid right. of the kids. Yeah. 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 So she gets into the shower and as she's, you know, undressing for the shower, you see that she um, is missing her leg, one of her legs. Mm -hmm. She takes off her prosthetic and then gets into the shower. And that's just like a soul crushing scene because you're like, oh my God, right. this is one of his prior conquests. And maybe potentially she, because there's like a scene where she is looking at herself in the mirror and she's kind of like pulling at her face as though um, she's thinking about plastic surgery or she's thinking, how can I change my face? Which is an interesting juxtaposition to the idea of not having your identity anymore or your identity being reflected in Did another she person. Ever really look like that? Or has he been working on her for years? Yeah. I yeah, wonder exactly. do all of that work. You know, who was she really? Right. Yeah, yeah, there's lots there. Yeah. We think, okay, maybe she's been Stockholm. Maybe she, you know, has not always been this way. Maybe she went through this process and then, you know, grew close to Steve as um, Noah's doing currently. But we get to the end of the film. Molly, Penny, and Noah all kind of do this jailbreak situation, which involves Noah seducing Steve. He provides her this terribly ugly dress to wear. They do a synchronized that dance a situation. Show, <laughs> <laughs> they do a synchronized dance thing. You know, it's great. The soundtrack on this, by the way, phenomenal. It's yeah. absolutely. Bops after bops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's great. It truly is. But she bites uh, Steve's dick off and or balls. There's blood. There's teeth and blood involved. And it is quite literally her. But we don't see her chew and, you know, she's not eating it. But we do see her kind of consuming and or well, she's biting. comfortable enough at that point to. Yeah, that's true. Not gag right away. Like she like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Cowtown. yeah <laughs> she's like i've already eaten two other people at least at this point so what's a third <laughs> right but there's a moment where they they kind of all get out they're all like they think okay steve's dead he's you know we're safe now which 
famous last words, but then Anne comes and sees that Steve is dead, which there's no emotion there, which terrifying. Like, yes. Did mm-hmm. she ever really care about him? Is this a survivor situation? But then she tries to kill Noah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm watching this. And I'm like, is she trying to kill Noah because she's truly angry that she has killed her husband? Or is it because she is angered by how her identity has been called into question by the mere presence of this woman in the dungeon area? I don't even want to call it a dungeon because it's not like you think dungeon, you think like uh, big shackles, wooden doors. This is like a very posh. uh, It's a mid-century modern dungeon. Yes. Yes, yes. it is. (laughs) A very cold hospital waiting area. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. But like, do you think that she's more like, is she more angry that, you know, Noah has killed her, her husband or her meal ticket, considering she just thought he was meat birds? Or do you think she was like struggling internally? I think on some level, she knew who Noah was going to become and take her place. I think Mm -hmm. there was jealousy there because he was starting to ignore her phone calls. He had Mm -hmm. Noah's phone on him. When he was at their house mm-hmm. and not, he was always taking off his wedding ring. I think on some base level, it was the disrespect. It was like, oh, this trick over here. <laughs> oh no, yeah. there was more passion about getting her out of the way. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you don't get to come in and take over. Do you see what I put up with mm-hmm. to have this life? Like, I think there was some of that, you know, I don't think, I don't think she loved him. Right. I didn't get that sense that there was that kind of feeling there anymore, even if there ever was. But at that point, I think it was more of like, no, I, I like my position. I'm you're not taking this away from me. Sure. I want that control. You know, on some level, she had him under thumb, too. If she was a part of all of this, mm-hmm. you know, obviously she was yes ma- being yes manned by their like handy person like their their right hand person yeah the the random native american gentleman <laughs> kind of yeah. looked like uh steven seagal a little bit like there was a lot happening with him too i was like i want to know your life but like yeah 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 so she obviously had enough power that she was being treated a certain way amongst the hierarchy of these men right you know too so that's well, that was my take on it, you know, that there was some jealousy there. And she is the only woman that we see in the know because all of the people receiving the meat are men and mostly older men, too. Some very sickly men, you know, it kind of reminded me of a squid game. Mm-hmm. Like, uh-huh. once you have everything, you kind of get to your most base place yeah. and allow yourself to to do whatever you want because you're bored and you have nothing else to lose. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. It's like that age old question of, you know, like when you have all the money in the world, like what is even exciting anymore? Right. You can afford literally True. anything, you know, I guess you go to space and then what? You know? <laughs> a space in a, in a rocket that looks like a penis. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Dick, dick rocket. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, good, good observation though, Dara on, um, I, I, cause I didn't notice this the first time, but there's a bunch of goat like things yeah, happening. I know there's the like a, an actual word for that type of goat figure. Um, something mm-hmm. with a B. Baphomet. Baphomet. Yes. Thank yeah. you. There were, they're everywhere in the film, like all around Steve's, you know, place. And yeah, it's kind of, once you see it, you can't unsee them. They're, they're everywhere. Yeah, I noticed that when you said it, and then I noticed that it's like on the the weird like fle- human flesh eating plates. Yes, and and the watch of the one rich guy. He's right. Got, like, yeah. Yeah, like this this whole society is like it, it's interesting because it's based around excess because ah. like mm-hmm. that you know that all of these folks are rich. Uh, every single person who's buying this stuff is like exorbitantly rich but we have the excess of thinking that you have the agency to be able to kidnap a woman and take flesh from her. Right. Yeah. And have bits of their like clothing and stuff so they can be feel closer to them. Like, no, if that's how you think connects you to another person. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much wrong with it. It's (laughs) also this weird, interesting twist on, um, and and this ties into a Portlandia sketch on the sort of like arrogance of the sort of like the heritage breed, this, that, and the other, where you Mm -hmm. get the whole, the whole story of the animal. And it's seen as being like very noble and very progressive, but it's also like for real, like you're, you're getting the whole ass story of a chicken that you're still going to eat. Like, what is that? You know, Well, even Steve says like, I don't eat animals. Right, right, yeah, you know, and then she feels bad because she really wanted those spare ribs. Yeah, yeah, it's so like there's so much. Uh, Yeah, yeah. So, what do you guys think about the end, like the very last scene um, before the credits roll, where Chad is texting? Oh my god! uh, (laughs) Yeah. Do you so? Do you think that post this experience, do you think that? do you think Noah's just going to be alone forever? Um, I think she might. I think she might decide she likes women more than men. <laughs> She's like, I'm just going to give this a try. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, Molly, how you doing? Like, yeah. <laughs> and um, an interesting thing I did want to say, like, once again, bisexual representation. Molly yes, is bisexual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo woo. We're, yeah. we're always excited to see queer representation in movies. Yes. So thank goodness. Is real. Yeah, yeah, for real. For both, like, especially bisexual folks and to talk about it in really a casual, very, like, common yeah, way. it like, wasn't a thing. It, yeah. it wasn't a, it wasn't a joke beat. It, there was right, none right. of that where, you know. It was just like, oh, yeah, this is my girlfriend. Oh, yeah, I used to date this dude. And he wasn't, like, he wasn't emasculated. He obviously right. knew that she likes men and women you know yeah it was more like hey the beard grew like you know yeah. like look I'm, I'm having a little glow up here you know? <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to impress this lady you know yeah i loved all of that i thought that was great yeah i think that the bartender as a character is hysterical to me because he's so relatable and he gets there and he's like that's weird okay i'm out like, yeah that's uh, a gunshot peace out yeah like he literally says i've seen this movie and we don't survive so i'm gonna go ahead and get out of here i've had friends who were like they were mad at him like oh how dare you leave i'm like no that might be the smartest thing somebody did yeah he can then go use his phone and go there's some weird shit going on (laughs) address exactly cops want to check that out you know 
And let's be real here. Like we all like to say like, Oh yeah, I would go investigate and save everybody. No, we're all the bartender. We would yeah. all be like, I am out. The- yeah. Yeah. The fact that he went as far as he did, I was like, good dude. Like, yeah, yeah. He followed up. He was curious. Like, you know. He took a screenshot. That was the clutch yes. part. He took yeah, a screenshot of her of her pin because yes. afterwards her location services were off. So he took that screenshot. Yeah. And then he got there and he was like, all right, I'm out. But we, I mean, we never see the follow up. Maybe he did send the cops, you right. know, like, I, I, yeah. I like to believe that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. for sure. I, I mean, Once I don't the light of day hit, you know, right. I don't think those ladies were going to make it to, you know, the next nearest house or like no. to a house that has a phone or something. I mean, they made it very aware that like they're all hobbling and hurt right. and feeling yeah, bad and exactly you know, missing parts. So, yeah, literally. Yeah. But yeah, I don't trust houses that far out in the middle of nowhere no i'm like i live quite far like into the birds myself and i'm like yeah don't like it yeah i do worry about those kids oh yeah yeah children like i find that be a whole thing like who do they go to like what what i i yeah and i don't know if that is like the the mother in me i'm like oh no but they're orphaned like real bad. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but also like, what were they eating? Number exactly. one. Number two. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, that's a great point. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh man. And also when are they going to see what happened to their parents? Like, right. Uh, Cause three witnesses and survivors of the, you know, Steve's organ factory or meat factory uh, are going to be talking to the news eventually exactly yeah exactly like is all of this going to blow up like or you know what is like the gentleman that we saw that they said two words does he now take over like there's so many you know because you know that machine doesn't just stop right away <laughs> no there's a, a whole market a whole network of folks who are going to be in on that so yeah definitely not point. like ann was willing to put her husband on ice she's like we Ooh. still have product here mm-hmm. yeah like, let's not waste it and i thought it was really interesting juxtaposition i remember thinking this when we were watching it that while she was getting undressed and about to take her shower and he's running like at full athletic stride both legs just hitting that pavement and she's hobbling into a shower and just like, I'm sure there's some jealousy there. There, There's a lot there too. I thought that was really smart. You know, he's living his best life over there, you know, eating all the meat, all the people getting his lactic acid worked up. And (laughs) yeah, I did think that that shot was interesting of them in the bathroom prior to her taking Mm -hmm. a shower when he was like, good teamwork today. They're both looking into the mirror and then there's a part where he steps in closer to her and you can see her in the mirror, but not him. Yeah. Yeah. And I was yes. thinking, is there no her without him? You right. know, like, does she not Who exist? She? Yeah. Right. yeah. Or did she gain power once he was gone? Like, she seemed very composed. Yeah. Like, for oh, real. this is the worst case scenario and this is happening. Oh, I can step on t- into this and take care of business. Right, right. That seemed very like, oh, her wheels were turning. Yeah. For oh, sure. Yeah. She scared me. She scared me. Oh, yeah. She was After, scary. Was like, yeah. You are frightening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She is, for yeah. sure. That was some good casting right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think it would be a different story had like Molly been the lead? 
And mm. like if some of the like roles were reversed in the story, because they even make they they even make the joke like uh well the bartender and and Molly's like, well, you know, call the cops, she's a white girl, you know, they'll show up for the, you know, like yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and she goes, I oh, do think so like that, you know, but on some level, she knew she's kind of right, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it becomes a different movie, certainly. You know, especially when we talk about the commodification of black bodies versus yes. white bodies. I think to have Molly be the lead would have added a whole other layer that, if it wasn't examined, would probably not be as good a story in right. that regard. Like you would have, you would have to go there. Yeah. Um, yeah it would make it seem phony. Yeah. Unfortunately, you'd have a lot of think pieces about how, yeah. oh, how woke this movie, you know, yeah. all of that, like, oh, it's so political and, you know, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. sadly we didn't get, a, I mean, on some, we didn't get a lot of that kind of discussion. Right. Yeah. 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 And world so, isn't ready for that, that yet. I think that's interesting. You mm-hmm. know, I would like to see something pieces on this movie in relation to sort of the current moment we're in with Roe mm-hmm. v. Wade. You know, the, yeah. the fact that so much of this movie is about bodily autonomy and commodification of women's bodies very specifically. Yeah. Like, I would like to see some people smarter and more plugged in than me <laughs> writing some interesting things like looking at it through that lens very specifically because yeah. even just the i mean thinking about it like one if what if Lula got pregnant i mean yeah i didn't together, think about that you know wow got a little carnivore baby yeah brewing inside of her now oh, broods <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely think that there is so much more to be said um, in regards to this film and bodily autonomy. I think that you're absolutely right. Like, yeah, it's more resonant now than it has any right to be. Honestly, yeah. like they yeah. should play it out in theaters. Yeah, <laughs> we we had no idea at the time that the movie came out that it would you know hit in that way, but it absolutely does. It hits different yeah. now in May of 2022 than it did in March of 2022. Definitely, two short months later. Um, yeah, it's a different different world that we're living in. So yeah, all the more reason to stay vigilant and loud and have these discussions and you oh, know, heck yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're probably not going to stop anytime soon. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I don't have it in me to stop. Yeah, <laughs> right. Keep going, man. Exactly. <laughs> well, to wrap up, Dara, remind us where folks can check you out on the internet. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, you can find me on Twitter at <laughs> Dara Renee eighty one, and you can also find me on Instagram at drc eighty one. Um, on Facebook under Dara Cosby, and you can find my podcast at uh, What Would Dara Watch at any you know streaming service out there. And I'm getting better with my uh, uploads, so I look forward to seeing you there. Please say hello. <laughs> awesome. I'll be polite. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. This was so much fun. Thank you. This was great. And coming up next, Teresa, we've got a good one on our next full episode of Attack of the Final Girls. Oh my gosh. I don't even know what it is. I know what it is. It's X. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. So holy crap. 
Oh, I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I can't even tell you. I just was waiting for this to come out on streaming so that we give our listeners a chance to be able to, you know, watch it and see it wherever they might be. And I cannot wait. I can't wait for the scene with the Fleetwood Mac. I'm going to cry oh. all over again. Oh my gosh. Yes. Not yes. to spoil it too much. To but... Listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> As always, subscribe, rate, review, and uh, hang out with us online. X is our next full episode. And of course, we are careening through Midnight Mass. We will be hitting the halfway point very, very soon. And uh, oh my gosh, going through that show. And of course, more bonus stuff to come. Woohoo! Thanks for listening to Attack of the Final Girls. Find us online at attackofthefinalgirls.com, Attack of the Final Girls on Instagram and on Twitter at Final Girls Pod. Our theme music is by House Ghost and available on Rad Girlfriend Records. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And tell your friends about us. I'm Juliet. And I'm Teresa. Until next time, stay scary. 